0: Well, the newspapers are all claiming Australia is heading out of recession, but is that really what the RBA's Guy De Bell said yesterday? And did what he say change the expectations for next week's rate cuts and increased QE? US stocks are taking a hammering this morning, except for tech stocks that seem to be impervious to increasing COVID numbers. Perhaps that's because it means we'll be spending more time at home buying tech stuff online. Plus, oil choppy, China doing well. And is the gap closing a week out from the US election? It's Wednesday, the 28th of October 2020. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar is back on the slide, down 0.2%. The pound and the Aussie dollar are up around a quarter percent each. The Canadian dollar has bounced back. It's up 0.4% the euro up a little, about 0.1%. US equities are mixed. The Dow and the S&P are down, more than a percent down for the Dow, but the Nasdaq is up 0.5%. Now, a chunk of that is Microsoft. It was up 1.3% today, ahead of its earnings results later on. Uh, shares in Europe are well down, 1% off the Eurostoxx50 and the FTSE100. Bond yields falling lower, another three basis points off 10-year treasuries in the US, heading back down to 0.77%, still much higher than it was at the start of the month, of course, and falls in bond yields across Europe you up two, three or four basis points uh, down on 10 years, just about everywhere. And oil has bounced back up 1% for WTI crude. It was actually almost uh, 2.5% up earlier in the session. So these are crazy times, aren't they? I mean, today is almost the reverse of yesterday. Uh, Tapas Strickland is here, Director Economics for Markets and in NAB in, in Sydney. So, I mean, I guess, you know, we uh, usual story, isn't it? You know, uh, there's a lot of caution. The seven-day moving average for new cases of COVID-19 now in the US is close to 71,000, the highest yet. Uh, 367 deaths in the UK on Tuesday, which is the highest since May. Spain and France now uh, surpassed one million cases. uh, And reports this morning coming from Imperial College in London that they've, uh, after you've had it, the antibodies could quickly fall away so you could get it again. So it's all bad news on the COVID front. So no wonder markets are a bit shaky. And then, of course, that COVID relief package in the United States, completely dead now, isn't it?
1: Uh, yes, it doesn't look like uh, that's going to get up. Just given how close the election is now, uh, after all, I think we're only what uh, seven days away from from the election, so it's very hard to see uh, that that package uh, getting up. Um, as for markets, of course, uh, still very focused on the uh, presidential election, the chances of Biden uh, getting the presidency, and the chances of the Democrats being able to flip the Senate. Uh, in both of those uh, things, uh, some. Interesting kind of themes are coming through there. So in the later stage polling, especially by Rasmussen, they're picking up a little bit of resurgence amongst uh, Trump supporters. And when you ask people who they think will win the election, uh, they're saying uh, Trump is more likely to win. So that's throwing a little bit of doubt out there, I would have to say. Um, It's just starting to creep through that maybe Biden – isn't necessarily going to romp home as much as everyone is thinking. But at the same time, this is very late-stage polling. And uh, I think about 60 million Americans have already cast their ballots. Um, So, in some sense, um, I think the way the markets are interpreting it is Biden is still likely to uh, become president Um, come November. The Democrats are still a high chance of being able to flip the Senate. And in that situation, you're likely to see a lot of government spending uh come February. And that's partly behind the moves, behind the US dollar that we've seen over the past uh couple of weeks and just worth noting on that front uh, BlackRock um, which is one of the world's largest asset managers uh, recently came out with their view of a short US dollar long emerging markets uh, mm. trade.
0: It would hell wouldn't it on the election if uh, if uh, Joe Biden knew actually the name of uh, who he was going against and it's Donald Trump not George W uh, if that, if that is indeed that clip that's going around the internet at the moment. Look th- this is an interesting poll as well before we move off the election and it sort Mori poll on Monday uh, 22% of Biden's Supporters and 16% of Trump supporters said they would engage in street protests or even violence if their preferred candidate loses next week. Because this time next week, the US polling booths will will be open. We'll know by early evening uh, this time next week, Australia time. I suspect we're not going to see the best of America next week.
1: Well, let's hope that does not eventuate. But I guess the risk is, is with uh, late surge polling towards Trump, is that even... If all Mm. the precast ballots are majority pointing towards Biden on the actual night, um, you may get a different outcome to what eventually is uh, flowing through in the subsequent days. So uh, the risk of a contested election perhaps may be a little bit higher than it was a couple of weeks ago if those late um, stage polls
0: uh, prove to be correct. Now, the split in stocks, the fact that uh, we're seeing tech stocks doing well, I guess that is related again, isn't it, to these rising COVID numbers. You know, if we're all going to be stuck at home, then uh, it's a safe bet, isn't it? And we've got, so hence Microsoft, you know, perhaps will do well. Uh, we've got uh, an agreement by the chipmaker AMD to acquire, acquire Lynx, which is another chipmaker for $35 billion. Bad news for Intel, but generally uh, good news. Consumer electronics seems like the only safe category at the moment, doesn't it?
1: Yes, it definitely does. And it looks like uh, that virus resurgence in Europe is is it's continuing and harsher restrictions are going to have to be put into place. Place to control the outbreak there, just given the rise in um, hospitalizations and similar kind of themes are occurring in the US as well. So, uh, going into the Northern Mm. Hemisphere winter, you'd have to say markets uh, should be cautious in that respect. And uh, you definitely saw that in markets overnight uh, cautiousness, but not necessarily risk off. So, you saw tech outperform, but industrials were down a chunky 1.7%. I think Caterpillar came out with um, some. Earnings that
0: saw sales down 23% over the past year. So uh, the good news that we're seeing, or we have been seeing, I mean, we, we, we have to discount some of that, don't we? So, for example, durable goods orders at 1.9% in the United States in September take defence out of the equation and they're, they're up 3.4% but we've got consumer confidence from the for the conference board falling a little just 100.9 only just in positive territory and down a little bit from September's number almost as everyone knows you know the sun might be shining now but we're we're going back into it
1: yeah so I guess for market's still very much
0: um balancing the risks from
1: a possible vaccine. Um, so there's still a number of companies out there with their phase three trials. And uh, Pfizer did say yep. that uh, they're expected to release results sometime after the uh, US presidential election. So maybe sometime in November. And markets are still very much on that hope uh, that because that bridge to recovery has been built due to fiscal policy and due to monetary policy, um, that once you do get a uh, effective vaccine or effective treatment, um, then uh, you should be able to see um, a fairly quick resumption in um, parts of economic activity that have been able to resume. So I think markets are still holding onto that hope, so I wouldn't necessarily say it's all doom and gloom yet. And then in terms of the US economic data, um, although you could say some of the headline indicators are starting to slow, um, uh, core capital orders and core durable goods orders all beat expectations. Uh, And so um, those numbers do feed into expectations for Q3 GDP in the US, which is out on Thursday, so out tomorrow. And uh, that's pointing towards uh, GDP rising by 36.2% annualized. uh, And that comes after a 31.4% 31.4% 30, 31.4% contraction in Q2. Um, so there has been a quite a sharp pickup in US economic activity in Q3. And, of course, the virus resurgence uh, in Q4 does have the potential to uh, slow that recovery. Um, but if you do get a fairly sizable fiscal stimulus, um, that may offset some of that
0: impact as well. Right. Well, look, China, of course, is doing very well. I'm actually very surprised that China has not come out more in this election. Maybe it's because they are doing so well and President Trump doesn't want to draw attention to it but we had industrial profits for China uh, The figures out today 10.1% overnight I should say 10.1% up in September month on month down year on year but it wasn't as bad in September as they were in, in August when they were down 4.4% year on year so yeah I, I guess uh, you know the question about what is the future relationship with China uh, as they rise in power do they need more of a, a diplomatic relationship with with China which I would have thought would be Biden's line or do they need to continue the tougher road that's been taken by Donald Trump. I would have thought he would be there pointing that out, but maybe, you know, the numbers are just too good and he just doesn't want people talking about China right now. Yeah,
1: so the uh, resurgence in activity in China has been... One of the surprising features of uh, 2020, um, when you look at the level of GDP in China now, it's uh, 3.2% higher than it was pre-pandemic, and nowhere else in the world are you seeing that feature. Um, so uh, that Chinese growth resurgence is uh, very, very important, and uh, also very important for Australia as well, just yeah. given our high trade exposure.
0: Well, look, the recession is over for Australia. That's what I'm reading in the newspapers. Their, their interpretation of what Guy DeBelle was uh, saying yesterday when he was talking at uh, Senate Estimates is, is that really what he was saying and is that the case and you know is there a risk if that is the case of a double dip because there's always that fear isn't there?
1: Yeah so uh, Guy DeBell was a little bit more measured in his comments and that uh, I guess was more um, newspaper uh, columnists doing a little bit of ad 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 lib there. Um, uh, Deputy Governor de Bell did say that um, economic growth in Q3 was likely positive with the recovery in states outside of Victoria, likely offsetting the drag from Victoria. And that's pretty much where he left his remarks. And the newspaper columnists have gone on to say that the recession is over. Um, I I think what it is clear is from all the high-frequency data that we've been discussing on this morning call, you have seen that resurgence in activity right across Australia Uh, and it's hoped that as Victoria comes out of lockdown and indeed uh, some of my colleagues in Melbourne are becoming a little bit more optimistic on the outlook um, as, as it does come out of lockdown that could drive a second wave of momentum across Australia particularly as you start lifting some of those interstate borders and you get jobs back in say aviation and in interstate tourism as well. so there's always the potential that um, that, uh, lifting of those restrictions will help um, economic activity. But it's just also important to note that um, as we've been noting, um, in order to see international borders eased, uh, it's more likely that you need to see an effective vaccine where we don't really have a solid date on that. And according to the government's own forecasts; those international borders are likely to remain until the end of next year, which will continue to put pressure on education and uh, international tourism.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, look, we get the official numbers. That we get the statement on monetary policy from the RBA next next week, don't we? Uh, but what about before that? Uh, so, is there anything there that Guy Bell said that uh, that changes expectations for uh, for the RBA meeting uh, next week? Are we are we still looking at Further rate cuts, more QE. Yes, it does seem like uh, the RBA has
1: primed markets uh, for that. Um, Deputy Governor DeBell did say he didn't want to elaborate on what was could be an important meeting in November, So that gave a pretty good steer that the RBA is going to be doing something. Uh, and uh, NAB uh, is of the view that uh, the RBA will cut cash rate uh, the three-year yield curve target and the TFF rate to uh, 0.1 uh, and also undertake QE in the five to 10-year part of the
0: curve as well. So how important is the, uh, the, the the inflation rate, the CPI numbers today for Australia? And what are we expecting from them?
1: Yeah, You'd have to say uh, CPI – isn't that important uh, this time around, though historically it has been uh, the most market moving uh, piece of data in Australian markets. Um, in terms of uh, the headline number there, NAB is expecting headline CPI to rise 1.9% Q on Q. And just remember last quarter it fell 1.9% Q on Q. So uh, pretty much broadly reversing the uh, price declines last quarter. And that's mainly coming about to two factors. So one, Petrol prices, on average, were higher in Q3 than they were in Q2, uh, and the other one is uh, uh, childcare. So um, the government had a childcare subsidy in in, in Q2 and uh, took that off in most of Q3. So it's pretty much just a me- mechanical reversal of that factor that's driving most of that headline bounce. When you look at the underlying components of, of inflation, they're likely to remain very soft, and we're expecting trim mean inflation to remain around one point four percent.
0: Right. Yeah. Year I, on year. Okay. Now look, oil reserves. From the U.S. tonight, from the EIA, uh, normally perhaps. Uh, only of passing interest but oil has been so choppy lately that maybe these are a little bit more important of course it's being pulled down because of lowering demand uh, for oil from Covid but then on the other side Libya is signing this ceasefire that could see their oil supplies back online Uh, but then conversely again we've got Storm Zeta uh, crossing the Gulf of Mexico right now which might actually close down some plants so there's a lot of moving parts on oil which is uh, no wonder it's all over the place look the Bank of Canada that's not all over the place they're staying put aren't they the the interest rate decision early tomorrow morning. Uh, They're not expected to touch interest rates. They're already pretty close to zero. And can they buy any more government bonds? I mean, they already own a third of them.
1: Yes, I think that's going to be the key question for markets. I don't think anyone's expecting that they'll do anything, but any comments around their Bond buying program which is one of the most aggressive uh, in in the world outside of the R- um, RBNZ uh, and as you're noting they already own a
0: fair chunk of uh, Canadian government debt at the moment. Okay great well we'll leave it there thanks Tabas. Uh, cheers uh, thanks Phil. Sounds like we're going to have to keep a close eye on those poll numbers over the next seven days doesn't it that's it for the morning call for this Wednesday morning I'm Phil Dobby for NAB back again tomorrow morning see you then.